All right, well, we're going to pause in our series on Joseph just for a Sunday, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but I was, I was really quickened by a, a topic to share this morning, and I kind of had trouble coming up with a title that summarized the whole theme. Um, you'll see when we get into it, but it's, I'm talking more about a progression. So, but I've entitled this a message, The Highest Way. You could also call it The Higher Way. You know, we're wanting to progress and ascend up, you know, God's mountain as we go on in our journey. But I, I've been reflecting on an aspect of progression in the kingdom of God. And we brought this out in other uh, messages and especially in our Bible study. You know, I had that list of the, the progression of threes that we can see throughout Scripture. You know, like you see those three levels or progressions in the tabernacle, the outer court, holy place, and holy of holies. There's three levels of spiritual maturity. Right? We're, call, we're called, chosen, and then found faithful. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and the list goes on. But there was one that I, I had not really considered before that I kind of wanted to, to touch on. And it's something that, you know, I think there's something for everyone in it because it's kind of a broad category, but it's also something to chew on. It's kind of something profound in, in how we can come to know the Lord and walk with Him. And so the progression I want to look at is there's three things of how this and how we relate to the Lord Himself. The first one is the name of the Lord, right? How we have to know His name. The second one is the word of the Lord. And then the third is the law of the Lord. So let's look at these. And so, you know, even a, a superficial reading of the scriptures shows us that, that God places a lot of importance on his names, on us knowing who he is. And he gave us, he didn't just give us, hey, I'm God, right? I'm Jehovah. But there's many names for him in the scriptures, He's revealed himself to us in many different ways, many aspects. And, you know, some this concept has been described kind of like a jewel, right? You see like a, like a beautiful diamond or, or a ruby, and the jeweler has cut all these different facets in the jewel. Well, it's one jewel, but you can look, and there's all these different facets of that jewel you can look at, and it almost looks like a different jewel, depending on which way you're looking at it and which facet you're examining. You know, but in the same way, God has revealed himself to us in all these different aspects. He's our savior and redeemer. He's the lamb of God. Like that's a specific facet that really speaks to us. He's the lamb. But you know what another facet is? He's coming again as the lion, right? We, we need both of those, those aspects He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's many more in the New Testament we can look at, and there's lots in the Old Testament too, right? right? He's the Ancient of Days. King David experienced God uh, as the one who broke forth upon his enemies like the breaking forth of water, like a flood of water just crashing against something and washing it away. And it happened at a place that David called Baal Perizim, which means the God of the breaking forth or the Lord of the breakthrough as we could know him. There's many others like Jehovah Rapha, our healer, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides, and many more about Jehovah Ra, 
Does that one is familiar? No, that one is the Lord is my shepherd. And so there's all of these aspects of the Lord that he wants us to know and experience as we're walking with him. And, and there's a verse that I think is very significant, right? When we're talking about, right, we, we want to have a journey where we arrive at a destination in our spiritual walk with God. And, and it talks about that, Psalm 69, 35. It says, For God will save Zion, and he'll build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. Now, this is natural Israel, but it speaks to us as spiritual Israel as well. And the seed also of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell there. Who's going to dwell in the holy city and in the holy mountain for all eternity? It's those that love his name. And if we love his name, then we'll pursue him that we can experience all of those names of know him in all of those different ways that he wants us to experience. All right, those that love his appearing will love every aspect of him. Now, of course, there's a concept that, right, there's a part we play in this because we can say, oh, yes, praise God, I want to know all his names. Well, you know, what happens when you, when you know the Lord our healer? What does that mean? It means you, you have some sickness where you had to meet God, the Lord, our healer, right? You don't need to meet the healer unless you're sick, unless you have a need for him, for him to touch you in your body. So it's not always, you know, an easy thing, right? There's some experience involved in that. Or how about Jehovah Jireh? Right? It's, it, in order to know him as our provider, we need to have a need. And sometimes God orchestrates it that we have a deep need. Sometimes he'll bring us to that brink where it's like, Lord, I, I need that provision now or I'm not going to make it. And he reveals himself as the God who provides. Sometimes we have to trust in him till the 11th hour, but he's the God who provides. And there's many other ways, but, you know, it's as we put him first, you know, as it also says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he take care of everything else. We can trust in him for that. And so, or, or we might face a spiritual enemy, and we need the Lord of the breakthrough. Right? And so there's many other aspects, but, but we realize there's our part in that situation, that he's calling us to love his name and experience his name. And as we cry out to him and do what's required, he'll reveal himself to us in all of these wonderful ways. I was thinking of John 14 and verse 21, that Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved to my Father. I'll love him, and I will manifest myself to him. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to manifest himself in all of these different ways, these different facets of himself, these different aspects. You know, that's the desire of the eternal one who created the heavens and the earth. He wants to manifest himself to those who will follow him and love his ways. And so we need to love his name so that we can dwell in his holy mountain for eternity. But I mentioned a progression, right? And so there's a progression that we can see as we move on from, the, from his name. And this is in Psalm 138, verse 2. 
It says, I will worship towards your holy temple and I'll praise, you know, here he is, I'll praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. But notice this last phrase, for you have magnified your word above your name. And that's, that to me, that kind of catches, it's like, wait a minute, his name's really important, right? It's the name above all names. But here he's saying, here's his word placed above his name. That, want, that makes us want to take pause and say, Lord, what is it about your word that I need to, to pay attention to that's even above your name? It's a profound statement. But I think God here is trying to get our attention in the thought of that to show us the emphasis he is placing upon his words and the things he speaks to us so that we realize their important their importance and we take hold of them and that we make we prioritize his word operating in our lives Jesus said this in Matthew 5 and verse 18 he said I, I, Assuredly, I say unto you, till heaven and earth passes away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, I was just kind of looking those up again. The jot is actually the, the smallest letter in the Hebrew language, right? So if you had to see a sentence there, you'd see something. It almost looks like a comma or apostrophe, but it's, it's actually a letter. It's a jot. And you know, it's, it's like a tiny stroke in the sentence. Or a tittle is actually, it's like a little emphasis mark that was placed over a word or a phrase. Um, in English, we don't really have that, but in, in Spanish or French or other languages, they have these little marks that you put over the word to, to tell you like how to pronounce it or, you know, it's a different meaning, but they're tiny. And so here's the Lord saying, I'm speaking my word to my people and every little aspect and little part of that word is going to be fulfilled. We can trust in it. We can rely upon it. His word is eternal. In fact, he said that in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word, it will not pass away. And so it's his word that is eternal because he's eternal and he came to us as the word of God coming down from heaven and his word's going to be fulfilled. And, you know, there's that concept about the word, why it's important to us is that it's to be our life, right? It's what gives us spiritual life. You know, we can, we can seek to know the names of God, but you know, those are experiences he wants to give to us. But what do we need day by day? It's his word. That's how we live and receive life. You know, when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, the enemy came to test him. Um, you know, the enemy likes to test us, not at our strongest moments, but at our weakest, right? So there's Jesus kind of at a weak moment because he's fasted 40 days, you know, without food or water. That's, that's a fast. I have trouble fasting a couple meals, you know, but here he did it for 40 days. But, and so the enemy comes, you know, of course, when you're weak, you know, stuff looks awfully good. <laughs> you know, so you, you can be tempted. And the enemy comes when Jesus was hungry. And, and so the enemy says, you're hungry, right? Oh, look at those stones. You have the power to turn them into a nice 
beautiful loaf of bread. I would be very tempted if I was hadn't eaten for 40 days, if I could just say, loaf of bread, and I could start eating. But look at Jesus' reply. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes, that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, the word of God is our life. It's our portion. And that's why, you know, coming to his written word often is so important. It's the language that he wants to speak to us. You know, he's, most of the time when he speaks to us, he'll quicken something to us from his word or a concept from his word. And it's so important that we do. And, and you might ask the question, how often? Right? How, you know, how much do I really need the word of God to be a Christian? Well, I'll put it this way. How often do you need to eat to live? How, how often would you like to? Well, you know, some of us might say, well, I'll just... It's enough for me to eat once a week. Yikes. Well, but you know, some of us, you know, we can we can kind of fall into that as Christians. Like, well, you know, if I go to church every Sunday, I'm I'm good. But that's that's a starvation diet in the natural, right? But you know, that can carry over to the spiritual. For me, I I like, well, if I could, I'd eat more than three times a day, right? I try to limit myself because Otherwise, yep, get into trouble. But, you know, we want to come to the Word. As, as much as we eat in the natural, we want to say, oh, I want to eat in the spiritual. I want to meditate. I want to, to have my mind coming to the Word of God because that's how I get life. It's how He speaks. That's how I grow and so forth. And so we need His Word. And that's why we that's why we want to come to church too, because you know we can read it, but yet, you know, when we come and we're hearing messages and so forth, it's it's almost like a concentration of the word, a lot of study and, and thought is compressed into a little message or a Bible study or something, and it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to quicken and bring life, to bring light. And so we want to come to the word. You know, we have a little phrase uh, in English anyway, where we talk about we hang on every word, right? If someone's saying something interesting, it's like you're hanging on every word. Um, you know, that, that kind of describes when Christ came into the temple and he was teaching, people hadn't heard stuff like that before. And it was like, they were just hanging on his words. In fact, a lot of translations use that phrase in the ESV. It says this in Luke 19, 48. It says, but they didn't, you know, oh, background is the Pharisees. It says they, then the scribes were seeking to destroy him, discredit him and so forth. But then this, it says, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were just hanging on his words. That's what we want to be like, what we need to be like. Of course, we have an enemy that's seeking to destroy us too. But what nullifies that? If we're hanging on every word, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy and tempt and accuse and all those things. But if we are a people who hang on every word from God, and that's where we get our life, that's where we place our expectation and our hope, that nullifies what the enemy can do. His word is sure. 
We can hang our eternity and our lives upon every word that he speaks. Even a single word is enough. You know, when you're in a situation and it's like, Lord, I, I need to know what to do. Should I go here or go there? And, you know, and you, sometimes you can place that, that little, you know, test out like the Lord. If, if you want me to go to this place, speak to me. Well, he can give a single word, go. And you can hang your eternity. You can hang your, your life on that word because, well, you are in one sense because you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey. I'm going to step out. And so we need to be people of the word of God. And to do so, we need to develop a listening ear, a hearing ear. You know, a, a verse that I, I pray very often, sometimes it's every day because I need that, is Isaiah 50. The prophet is, you know, really, it's really Christ speaking through Isaiah. Isaiah 15 verse 4, it says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season. Now, that's not actually what I pray a lot for. You know, it's good, to, it's good to be able to speak in season. And I speak in season. I try to have to speak a lot. But what I find is more important is how you do it. How does that happen? It says, he wakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord my God has opened my ear. And I wasn't rebellious. I didn't turn away from it. And so that's prophetic of Christ. That's the relationship he had with his father where his ear was open to hear as the learned. And that basically means like knowledgeable, skillful, someone who's good at hearing from God. You know, of all the abilities that a, a spiritual leader can have, the one I, I think I respect the most is when someone can hear from God because it's like, all right, when I have a problem, who am I going to go to? I'm going to go to the one who can hear from God because <laughs> I need an answer. But God wants to bring us into that place where, where we can hear and we can get words from heaven. And you know maybe we won't hear divine words from heaven all the time, but he can lead us and speak to us and give us those promptings. Or, and maybe we're in a situation where we can't, so we go to someone who can. Lord, open my ear to hear as the learned. So his word's important. But yet there's a final progression. We'll just cover this in closing. And, 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 you know, we have to ask ourselves, what is the word given for? What's the reason for the word? And I think that's where we can understand this final progression I mentioned was the law. All right? The law, or, well, let me go backward. The word... The purpose of the word is to bring us in alignment with the ways of heaven so that we follow God. We follow the lamb wherever he goes, right? We, God has a way of doing things and we desperately need to be brought into that way of doing things to do what pleases him. Well, in, I want to see this progression in a verse in Isaiah 2 and verse 3 that kind of talks about this. And it's, it's talking about the millennium, right? Israel in the millennium. But a promise to Israel in the millennium also applies to the church of the last days. And it says this. It says, Many people will come and say, well, shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll teach us his ways. We'll walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word 
of the Lord will go from Jerusalem. Now, we have to notice something there, right? We've talked about, uh, uh, it's subtle, but you notice a progression. There's a difference in locations. Like the Psalms talks about the progression of the locations based on the holiness of God and his presence, right? It talks about how, you know, uh, Israel is God's nation, but then, you know, there's a progression to, to Judah, where God, that's the tribe that God chose to reign and to, to dwell. But then there's his city in Judah, which is Jerusalem. It's the holy city. But then where's the presence of God? It's on the holy mountain of Zion. But notice, where does it say? And that's kind of like, it's kind of thought provoking. Wait, Lord, you said your words above your name, but you're comparing your name to Jerusalem. But then you're comparing your law to Zion. What's that about? All right, because isn't the law like the Ten Commandments and you know, don't do this and do that? that? That can be something to chew on, right? To think about like the law. Why is that the highest? What does it mean for us? Because right, isn't the law an aspect of his word? And yes, it is, right? The law is written and contained in his word. But something to understand is it's not speaking about the whole Old Testament law, uh, right? There's certain things in the law that no longer apply. They were for a certain time, like the law of ceremony, of making sacrifices and rituals and being ceremonially clean and unclean and so forth. And the feasts, those things passed away as we entered into the age of the church. But what has not passed away is God's moral law. Right? We're still under the law. Some people will say, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And then you can say, well, are we still under the law of the Ten Commandments? Right? Thou shalt not kill, <laughs> steal, right? all of those things, commit murder, uh, adultery, and so forth. Right? I think that, that makes sense. We're still under God's law. In fact, we're called to fulfill it totally in the greatest sense, you know, so the law is still there. And I, and I realize this is kind of a profound and in-depth thought concerning the law, but I think there's two things we can take away from this is that the idea that, that God has a standard of right and wrong of what matters and what does not matter. It's the standard of heaven. It's different than the standard of man and what matters to us. And that's what our whole life is to come unto that, to align with the standard of heaven, of God's way of doing things. You know, there's a verse that reveals the relationship Moses had compared to the relationship Israel had with God. And in Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, God made his ways known, God made known his ways to Moses but as acts to the children of Israel. You know, Israel saw the power of God, and we're believing to see the power of God coming, but it, in a sense, that's all Israel saw. That's all they saw and all they experienced, just the acts of God doing mighty things, but they didn't know why. At least, at least they never came into that, that relationship of knowing why and knowing what he was trying to do and the lessons he was trying to teach them. Only two out of the generation came into that knowledge of knowing why. But Moses knew because he had a relationship of coming into the presence of God and speaking with him 
and hearing his voice and learning the ways of God and his whole life became aligned with that. He was the lawgiver, but it was because the law got written in his heart and it wasn't on tables of stone. It was on tables of flesh. He came to understand the higher way of the law of God's kingdom. And he aligned himself with that. And that's really the second part. You could say the law, it's, what's significant about the law? It's representing the higher law of heaven. The second part to that is we need to get our, line, our lives aligned with his law. That's the purpose that we were put on this earth. That's the, the opportunity and the goal we have. Align ourselves with heaven. To have our ways, our thoughts, our mindsets be changed and transformed and lifted up from the low places of the natural life and natural thinking to the higher ways and to the higher laws of God. Because right, another place in Isaiah, when I, I didn't put the scripture there, but his ways are not our ways. and right, Our ways are lower. That's Isaiah 55. But we want to be lifted up to his high ways. You know, there's the natural law, right? There's laws over nations. Uh, there's physical laws over the universe, right? There's laws of motion and gravity and so forth. But none of those are eternal. But there's the laws of heaven that will last for eternity that come from an eternal God. And that's what we need to come into alignment with. And not just that, but learn to love it. Psalm 119 and verse 16, or verse 165. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall cause them to stumble. You know, those who love his law, there's nothing that can cause them to be pushed aside, to go out of the way. But it's because they love his law of righteousness, God's way of doing things. It's not always easy to love his law because sometimes there's a cost, you know, of, of saying, well, I'm going to do this because that's what God is saying to me is, is important to him. And then, of course, there's people in the world saying, why are you being so hung up on that? You're legalistic. Well, if legalistic means loving God's way, okay, I'm legalistic. That's why he put us on this earth. But if we love his law, nothing will offend us. Nothing will cause us to stumble, right? There's people who experience hardship and, and stumble, but, but in reality, it's because they're not aligned with his law and his ways in some way, shape, or form in their lives, and some stumble and go off the path. But who will continue and overcome are those who love his ways, his law and who ultimately have it written in their hearts. And that's the ultimate culmination of our journey, right? To love his ways and his law so that it is written. Our ways have to diminish, right? Our hardness needs to be softened. No more stone or the stony places are removed. And we start to value what God values. We love what he loves. And we hate what he hates. You know, man, we like to make our own laws. And sometimes we like to be a law unto ourselves. Right? We don't like, oh, don't tell me what to do. 
that has to be removed. Our heart has to be, Lord, oh, please tell me what to do. I love your ways. I love your direction. We might not always feel warm and glowing inside when he tells us something hard, but when our response is, oh, Lord, I love your ways. Help me (laughs) to walk in them. That's what will make the difference. You know, man has his ways, but God has a law that's wonderful. It's a law of loving mercy, right? Loving righteousness. You know, James uh, talks about the royal law. That's an interesting phrase, which he says is to love one another. It's the royal law. It's the law of the king of kings. And, you know, that's why the Lord said through David in Psalm 40 and verse 8, he said, I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. That's the culmination. That's the place that God wants to bring us to. Lord, bring me to that place where I can delight in your will so much because your law It's just in my heart. Your ways have been written in my heart. And my ways have been removed, washed away, sometimes circumcised, cut off, whatever it takes, so that we love his ways. And so we're called to walk in a higher way. Our way goes up. At least we're, we're to make that our way, and God will lead us in this. And we experience this as we progress in our spiritual journey. It starts with loving God in all the ways he wants to reveal and manifest himself to us in all his aspects, because that's the pathway that, that leads to Zion. And as we walk on that, we need to learn to live by every word that proceeds from his throne. That involves developing a hearing ear. And if we'll ask, he'll speak to us. He'll attune our ear. Kind of like, I I always think about, you know, the old style knob radios. You know, I remember we had a radio in the car. You had to just turn this, keep turning, twisting the knob. (laughs) Man, I got to switch all the way from, you know, the, I forget what was a long way. I don't know if it was like the 90s, then all the way to 108 or something like that. Twist, 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 twist. But sometimes that's our ear. It's like, oh, I am out of sync. I need to twist back to the station where God's speaking because I twisted onto something else. But if we will tune ourselves and, te- and learn that, God will speak and he'll lead us and he'll direct us and he'll guide us. But of course, the whole goal is to lead us to that place where his law is within. And, he, and we have learned to love what he loves and hate what he hates, and delight to do his will. But in doing so, that will cause us to walk in a higher way so that we're planted in Zion, not just for a time, but for eternity in his holy mountain. Lord, that's our desire. Lord, we long to be established and planted for all eternity in your holy mountain. Lord, we, we see in your word and we realize, Lord, there's a, a progression of, and, and a pathway we have to follow. And Lord, we just cry out to you, oh, that you would help us, oh, Lord. 
Lord, cause us to, to meet with you and know you in all of the ways you desire us to, in all of the different aspects. Lord, we love your name. Oh, Lord, show us, manifest yourself to us, oh God, because we want to know you. And Lord, we, we love your word. We just declare that, oh God. And Lord, we ask that you'd cause us to be people of your word, to feed upon you. And that, Lord, you would give us the ear of the learned to hear what you are saying. And, but Lord, we realize the whole purpose of that is to bring us to that place of loving your ways. Oh, give us that heart. Cleanse us of hardness, Lord, that we would have a soft heart that you could put your laws and your ways in, that we would love you, Lord, and all that you have and all that you would say is good would be our portion. Oh God, we just thank you. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.